We marvel at your grace, at your mercy. We wonder at your presence. Lord, you are an everlasting, forever reigning God. A God who speaks and everything comes into existence. A God who wills and all things are accomplished. A God who loves and we are redeemed. And for that and so much more, we lift our hearts in praise to you. You are wonderful, almighty, Prince of Peace, Son of God, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. May you receive honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. He shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. of the Christmas season in Luke chapter 2. We have been walking towards Bethlehem this season. Bethlehem bound. We've encountered angels all along the way. At every turn, today we will encounter them again. We've encountered a, a priest on duty. His wife, who up in years and can't have children, and as Pastor Mark so aptly reminded us, in that day and time, the common perception was if a woman couldn't bear children, it was because God was angry at them. We came to meet a young man and young woman 
whose life was turned upside down as angels came and shared a miraculous once in all of history event that a virgin would conceive and give birth to a child of the Holy Ghost. I'm not sure the greater miracle in that story, as we talked about it last week, was was it the virgin birth or was it the yes of a man who could only by faith believe that God had moved upon his wife? Because I promise you, most of the guys in this room would have had a real struggle with that. And today, while we're going to touch on some folks, we're going to focus on another group of people in the Christmas story. Anybody got an idea who it might be today? Shepherds. Hey, good call. You've been listening to our songs and looking at our piano. We have some shepherds on board today. We are going to focus on that. This is one of those weird seasons of preaching the Christmas message that you're far enough away from Christmas Saturday that if you preach the birth today, what do you do next Sunday? And so we're just going to kind of cover it both Sundays. We're going to talk about Jesus both days. I don't think it's a bad thing to do in church. But we're going to focus a little bit on the the angels and the shepherds today. Luke chapter 2 in our passage that was just shared by Linus is from the King James and that's probably the passage that you know the best. It's a passage I know the best. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to use it. But I'm going to be reading from the ERV today, just a little different uh, rendering of the text. And uh, I want to read a significant portion of this chapter as we get into it. Chapter number two, verse number one says, It was about the same time that Augustus Caesar sent out an order to all the people of the countries that were under Roman rule. It's about what time? It's about the time that John was growing up. That's what chapter 1 is closing out. We're talking about um, uh, John being born. We're talking about Zechariah getting his his voice back. And in that season of life that the forerunner of Christ was um, announced, um, verse number 80 of chapter number one says the little boy John grew up and became stronger in spirit. It goes on to talk about him. So in that same time frame, Augustus Caesar sent an order to all people in the countries that were under Roman rule. The order said that everyone's name must be put on a list. This was the first counting of all the people while Quirinius or Cyrenius, depending on which um, version you're reading, was governor of Syria. And everyone traveled to their own hometown to have their name put on the list. So Joseph left Nazareth, a town in Galilee, and went to the town of Bethlehem in Judea, 
It was known as the town of David. Joseph went there because he was from the family of David. And Joseph registered with Mary because she was engaged to marry him. She was now pregnant. While Joseph and Mary were in Bethlehem, the time came for her to have the baby. She gave birth to her first son. She wrapped him up well and laid him in a box where cattle are fed. She put him there because the guest room was full. I want to want to stop there and just talk about this story for just a second. To, you know this story, but but we get the truth of the scriptures all wrapped up in the Christmas folklore of the little drummer boy and and grandma's stories and and so let's focus a little bit on what the word does tell us here today. Well, first thing you need to know, if you, if you really want to be a serious student of the Word and you want to go back and you want to his, check historical data, you're going to find out that there's a lot of people that struggle with the historical data given about these men that, that were mentioned here. Augustus Caesar, Quirinius or Cyrenius, whichever his name might have been, as a, a man who would become a ruler, a governor over Syria. He was a military leader at the time. He became a, 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 a leader in Syria. If you go in there, you can really get bounced around a little bit. And so what I tell you this, what I'm saying is, don't let what historians tell you about time frames of 1 AD or 2 B.C. or 6 A.D. or whenever. The, look, in this season of time, Jesus was born. Whether it was 1 A.D. or 6 B.C. or, or 8 A.D. is kind of irrelevant. These were the people that were ruling in that day. And, and their time frames do mix and match, but not necessarily with 1 A.D. If you understand what I'm talking about, is that the calendar, the Roman calendar was set up to, to break up the before Christ and not after death. Does anybody know what it stands for? Yeah. Do anybody know what that means? Thank you. Very good, Sam. It, it's, it's Latin and it means the year of our Lord. And so it Basically, you would think, based on our calendar, that means that he was born in one. Somewhere between probably a few years before that to a few years after that was when this actually happened. The, the, what's relevant is that Jesus was born. And these people were around and alive in that time frame. We know that they existed. We know from antiquities, writings of the past, that these men existed. And if they existed, then why wouldn't we believe that Jesus was exactly who he said he was and that he was born in that day and time? We, we come across um, Joseph leaving Nazareth, going to Bethlehem to be born. And it's kind of important to know this because the reason for this was that every 14 years, Caesar required a Roman census for two reasons. One, 
for military reasons. He wanted to know how many people were where they were and so he could put his military in the places that they needed to be the most. He was a tough ruler. And two, for tax purposes, because he wanted the money that came from these people. And so every 14 years, a Jewish male had to take and go back and register his entire family so that they could be taxed. He had to record his name and occupation, his property, and his family. And it's important to know that, that he went back to Bethlehem because Bethlehem is the Old Testament prophesied city that the Redeemer, the King of Israel, not what they're looking for. I mean, they're looking for a ruler. They're looking for a military ruler. They're looking for a Joshua, Jesus, Yeshua, to come and to rule and reign. They're looking for somebody to take over and put Israel at the top of the food chain. And that person is supposed to come from Bethlehem. Micah 5.2 says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrath, are the smallest town in Judah. Your family is almost too small to count, but the ruler of Israel will come from you to rule for me. His beginnings are from ancient times, from long, long ago. That's not actually talking about his eternal past, but it's talking about the family record from the king line of David. The line of David. So God, as we talked this morning in our, in our Bible study, we talked about the, the, the magnificence of the, the sovereignty of God and the, the perfect ruling of how God, when He speaks, will come to pass. From God's perspective, in this story, God is just orchestrating what He has prophesied to happen. What I want you to know is that God will move heaven and earth to fulfill His will. And that ought to encourage you. It ought to challenge you. It ought to confront you. Because as you read the Word, and as you get in the Word of God and you see what God promises and what He says, it ought to move you to know that He is going to do exactly what He said He would do. And if He has to bring Roman rule in and allow it, because a guy named Caesar Augustus is going to set up a pattern every 14 years to bring about the move of a man that's not yet born. It's going to be betrothed to a woman named Mary who's going to be pregnant out of wedlock by the power of the Holy Spirit of God to put them in the city of Bethlehem. He can handle that. If he can handle that, what in your life do you need to let go of and let him handle God can handle everything He has said. Everything He has promised. He will accomplish. How should that encourage you? How should that challenge you? When you read something in the Word that says, God is going to make you into the image of Christ. It's a promise of the Word of God. You and I are being conformed 
being manifested into the image of Christ. Please let me tell you, you can either join in with God's conforming, or you can try to butt up against God's conforming, but I promise you God's going to conform you. It's much better to join in with God's conforming than to butt up against, because it's going to happen. It's interesting to me that we don't know how long Joseph and Mary were in Bethlehem before the baby was born. We, we've always watched these shows where she rides in on the donkey in the middle of the night and she goes and knocks on the door and the room is full and she has to go to the stall. But the story doesn't tell us that, does it? It says that they went to Bethlehem. And while they were there, it was time for her to have the baby. I mean, it, it, it could have been weeks. It surely... Hey, they didn't just jump on the Amtrak and ride over. They, they didn't just hop in and plug up the, you know, SUV into the, to the charging port. And, you know, when they got a full charge, run over and charge up. I mean, it took a while. It's 80 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem with a pregnant woman and a donkey. Just saying, it didn't go quick. Tell them I'd have to stop and go to the restroom, ladies. Ride the donkey. <laughs> think, think about it. 80 miles. You go walk 80 miles today. Just take off and go. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, we don't know how this played out. He had to get there. He had to register. You know, I mean, he just walk up. How hard is it to go get your license renewed? I mean, you don't just walk in and turn your tag in and hit the road and go back. There's a process that goes on. I want us to think about that a little bit because all of this is going on in their life and the city was jam-packed with people. This little city of Bethlehem, all the people that are from the line of David have to come back to this city. That's why the the, the inn or the room was full. There wasn't any room. And I suspect, if I'm reading what little bit I've read, when they got there, it wasn't a barn or a stable like we think about. It was more than likely something hollowed out of rock. Maybe a natural hollow that they could protect their animals with. Maybe something they had cleared out <coughs> I pretty well imagine there was some donkey droppings that maybe Joseph had to scoop out of the way to get her a place to lay. Let's don't sanitize this. This was their life. They were poor. And yet God orchestrated all of this. And as they come in that night, we have the passage that was just read to us. That night, some shepherds were out in the fields near Bethlehem watching their sheep. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord was shining around them. 
and shepherds were very afraid. The angel said to them, don't be afraid. I have some very good news for you. News that will make everyone happy. Today, your Savior was born in David's town. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This is how you will know him. You will find him wrapped, find the baby wrapped in pieces of cloth and lying in a feeding box. Then a huge army of angels from heaven joined the first angel. They were all praising God and saying, Praise God in heaven and on earth. Let there be peace to the people who please Him. The angels left the shepherds and went back to heaven. Next group again is this angelic host. I mean, everywhere we go in this story, there's an angel, isn't there? Everywhere we see it, God is at work in the human course of life with supernatural angelic interaction. And again, they're delivering a message. They're not just hanging out. They, they, didn't, they didn't come just to make Joseph and Mary's day better, to make the shepherds feel better. They came to declare the word of the Lord. That this angelic idea that we have in the world around us, that angels, I have my guardian angel. And he's just making sure that the road is clear in front of me. Well, God may do that. And I'm not going to doubt that God can do that. But every course that I read of angelic work in Scripture is this is the army of Almighty God. Amen. And they move at His command. And they work His holy course for humanity. And these angels show up together and deliver. Isn't it interesting that this angel shows up and it says that the glory of the Lord was with the angel. The presence of God showed up in a field one night with a bunch of smelly shepherds and sheep. Is that where you think God would show up? If you were going to go in this story and tell in this city, in this region, in this area, the message that God has come to earth, would it be the shepherds? Shepherds were, for the most part, outcasts in that day and time. Now, not in Scripture, but in society. You think about the Old Testament. Think about, think about shepherds in the Old Testament. King David was a shepherd. God Himself is referred to by David as the Lord is my shepherd. Shepherds were not looked down on in Scripture. But in society, it was different. Isn't it interesting how that works? That society doesn't view things the way God does. And so he sends word to the shepherds. They deliver, these angels deliver a message of hope and great significance. The Messiah is born. 
the Messiah, is being born before men. Anybody know what the, the word Messiah means? The anointed one. The anointed one of God. And it's the same, the, the word the Christ, the anointed one. The Messiah, the anointed one of God, is being born in a very specific purpose. Today your Savior was born in David's town. He is Messiah of the Lord. A Savior. A Redeemer. One who is going to save them. What do you think they, they thought when they heard that? No more Rome. We are free. This one's going to grow up and he is going to take over the government. And He is going to set us free. Isn't it interesting that God doesn't work the way we think He should work? What does God do? He does something much more important. He shows up to save them from what really matters. The Bible says that He will save the people from their sin. From their sin. Because sin is what matters in humanity. Sin is what dictates to us what life is like. Any of you ever had sin impact your life in a negative way? <laughs> yeah. It's like a dumb question, isn't it? From the very moment sin entered into humanity, it was there to destroy. The one who, who rules this earth under the authority of Almighty God is here to kill, steal, and destroy. And God said, I have a plan. I'm going to send a Redeemer. One to save men from their sin." A savior for the people. I think, honestly, this passage gives us such a contrasting view of how mankind looks at this birth. You, what do you have? You have a bunch of shepherds in a field with a bunch of sheep at night. Nobody's got flashlights. They have a cell phone, hold their light up, make sure their sheep are okay. You know, they're out there protecting what they have. Many people believe that these shepherds were protecting sheep that were used in the temple for sacrifice. That's why they were outside the city of Bethlehem, so they were close to where they could go and sacrifice. Which, boy, wouldn't that be an interesting thing? these shepherds heard about the sheep, the Lamb of God that would come to take away the sin of the world. The shepherd became the Lamb. And yet, when they come together, look at how God, look at how eternity looks at this situation. 
differently than mankind does. There's a baby going to be born. It's going to be born in a feeding trough, a box, in a messy, smelly stable, whatever that was like. And yet, when God pulls back the curtain to heaven, what happens? Verse 13. Then a huge army of angels from heaven joined the first angel, and they were all praising God, saying, Praise God in heaven and on earth. Let there be peace to people who please God. When, when God saw this, the angels of heaven were rejoicing beyond imagination. The scriptures tell us that the angels for eternity have been wondering at this marvel that God would come Himself in flesh to redeem mankind. They look and wonder. Why? How? Would God do this for them? And yet, that's exactly what God did. The last group of people we look at today is this group of shepherds. Because of their job, they were considered lowly. They were the common working people. They were ceremonially unclean. That doesn't mean anything to us. You know, in our church, we how many times have we said, "You yeah, come how you come how you are. Come come comfortable. Dress like you you're comfortable. You know, cover up your neck and we don't want to see any of that. But be comfortable. You know." In that day, what they said to the shepherds was, you are ceremonially unclean because of the animals you work with, because of the job you have, you're not allowed to come to church. You can't come to temple. You have to go to temple, make sacrifice, become clean, and then you can come in. That's the routine that was going on. The problem is, if you're a shepherd, you can't go into town and go through the ritual of the days it takes to become clean to be able to come to temple. Because you've got to be out with the sheep. So not only are they ceremonially unclean, they don't have the access and ability. And to what was unclean to mankind, God showed up to and said to them, Come and see. Come. I'm going to tell you, for all of us, that ought to be encouraging. Hey, none of us are unclean enough that God wouldn't say, come and see. Come. See. What makes these shepherds so special in this story? To me, it's a couple of things. I want you to notice their response. They're scared to death. Can you imagine? What if right now, in the middle of all we were doing, suddenly someone appeared right there? 
Well, after Sam fell over, Miriam running <laughs> over, going out to the door. That's what would happen. No, what would happen if someone appeared right there, right now, and said, I got great news for you guys? Well, we would all, most of us, would have just had a heart attack or wet ourselves or something. <laughs> Why? They'd been scared to death. That's exactly what happened to those shepherds. They were scared to death. The first thing the angel said was, hey, don't be afraid. It's okay. I've got good news for you. What would you do? How would you respond to that? Do you think you would respond with, awesome, let me hear the news? Be honest with yourself. That's exactly how they responded. It doesn't say that. But what, is it, what did they do? The angels said, they came, they gave the message. They, they share it. The huge host of angels show up. There's a, a God party in the field with the angelic host praising God. They're still watching. I mean, you, you, ever, you ever wonder if the sheep ran off? It doesn't say anything about the sheep. I don't know what happened, but here's what I'm telling you. All this went on, and what happens when this is over? The shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem and see this great event the Lord has told us about. Man, forget the sheep. If the sheep are still there, who cares? Let's go. Off they go. The first thing they recognize is that God was speaking to them. Do you recognize when God's speaking to you? We had great testimonies today in our, in our Bible study. The two folks who, who talked about God was speaking. I, I was listening to that and listening and knowing what I'm going to be talking about today. Do you have an ear to hear when God speaks? Maybe it's not an experiential thing like they had where God was answering a question or God was speaking to an, an incident. Do you hear when God speaks, church? Do you recognize that this is God speaking to you? This is God's letter. You want to know what God is like? Right there. Can tell you everything about his character, everything about how he feels about you, everything he feels about sin, redemption, life eternal. Oh, he may not tell you what to, to do for dinner tomorrow night, but everything you want to know about the character and nature of God and his relationship with you is right there. Are you listening? Are you where you can listen? what God is saying. Not only did they recognize when God was speaking, but they obeyed immediately. I love it. I don't remember who, who said it or where I heard it. Somebody long time ago came up with this, I'm sure. There's nothing new under the sun. But it was this statement. Delayed obedience is disobedience. You hear that? Delayed obedience is disobedience. 
The only thing that's obedient is immediate. What's God telling you? Are you being obedient? Do you have do you have ears to hear what God is saying, and are you obeying immediately? We see that with these shepherds immediately. They left everything. If these were the sheep for the temple, they're responsible to the temple and to the rabbi and to the whoever's leading that group. They're responsible for the sheep. They're responsible for the sacrifice to the temple. They're responsible for the godly stuff, the church stuff. They said, we don't need church. We need God. Let's go see what God is doing. Don't let church get in the way of God. Don't ignore church because God's called you to it. Are you obedient to what you know? You know, I, I say this all the time to you. I don't care what you don't know to do. What do you know that you're not doing? What is it that God has spoken to you in life about through His Word that you're not doing? That's what I care about. That's what you ought to care about. What are you doing that God said don't do? Obedience. When God shows up to speak, do you obey? Do you obey immediately? Because anything else is disobedience. Let me tell you what else I see about the shepherds. They worshiped. Man, they worshiped. They come to where Mary is. And they worshiped. Listen to what it says. So they went running and found Mary and Joseph. I, I love that. They went running. How many of you woke up this morning and ran to the car so you could come to church? Yeah, me either. I ain't gonna lie to you. Me either. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't run to the coffee. But they ran to see God. Why? Because they knew God had spoken. They ran and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the feeding box. And when they saw the baby, they told what the angels had said about the child. Hey, we got a crazy story for you. An angel showed up out in the field. He told us, and all these other angels showed up. And 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 the excitement. Can you hear the excitement? I, I can hear it in Linda's voice this morning as she was sharing with us. This excitement because God had showed up in her week. Do you get so excited about God showing up in your week that you just you just it's just got to come out? They showed up. Everyone was surprised when they heard what the shepherds told them. I, I kind of think that, that, that I love that little line. Now, if the priest had showed up, yeah, well, we can't expect that. But the shepherd showed up. Do, do people get a little surprised when you show up and it starts bubbling out? Do they like, 
I really didn't expect that out of them. But that's what, listen, that's what worship is. I'm so excited by what God is doing. I'm immediately obedient to it. And I begin to tell others about it. Isn't that worship? So let me ask you, what has God done in your life this week? What has God done for you this week? What has God done to you this week? What has God done with you this week? Are you so excited about it that you've got to go and share with others? Because you immediately responded to what God had said. See, that's what real worship is. Real worship is, I am so excited inwardly about who God is and the fact that He's working in my life that I immediately respond to it because He's God and I'm not. And I'm going to make sure everybody knows who He is and what He said. That's worship, folks. I don't want to miss this as we close. Not only did they get excited and tell about it, the Bible says that Mary continued to think about these things, trying to understand all of them, and the shepherds went back to their sheep. They went back to where they had been, to doing what they did. They, they didn't quit life they went back to their life, but what did they do on their way back? The Bible says that they were praising God and thanking Him for everything they had seen and heard. <clears throat> because it was just as the angel had said. When God has worked in your life, do you move forward immediately with what God said? And when it's all said and done, do you stop and just praise God for what He has done? And thank Him for Him working in your life. Listen, these shepherds, just common, everyday, not noticeable in life, Poor outcast. Worship God. Felt his presence in such a way that they continued to praise him and thank him as they went forward. So let me ask you for Christmas this year. What's God done in your life? Are you thankful? Are you sharing with those around you? Are you praising God for it? Let me tell you something. If God shows up and speaks in your life and you get excited enough to go tell people about it 
and you begin to praise God inwardly and with those who are experiencing it around you, your church, you'll be thankful. You can't help but be anything else but. I don't know if an angel is going to show up this week in your life. If he does, call me. I want to hear about it. If he doesn't, read about one that showed up and rejoice. Because the message he shared was this. God is with us. The Messiah has come. And he will save his people from their sin. If that didn't cause you to praise God, Thank God. I'm not sure anything ever will. Your sin can be forgiven. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the story surrounding the city of Bethlehem. For those that have been a part of it. For what we can glean from their lives from the circumstances. Lord, help us not to just glaze over a story we know. Father, help us to see you fresh and new as we are bound for Bethlehem this year. As we come forward to the place of the birth of Christ, May we, like the shepherds, rejoice in great anticipation and excitement for what you've told us. And may we share it with everyone around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Mark.